Yo, 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 yo! I learned how to do it. <laughs> I learned how to do it. Huge shouts, my man, RC Productions, for this dope new intro beat. I'm really excited to see how you all react to it. It is absolutely killer. And just like this beat, we got a killer episode for you guys this week. I am super excited. Episode 9 of the Robson Sportscast. I am, of course, your host, Alex Robson. Thanking you for tuning in, however and wherever you are listening. Now, let's go ahead. Let's just shut up. Let's stop the chit-chat and get into that good old-fashioned sports chat. RC, kill that beat. It is safe to say July 30th was a great day because that marked the date of the return of some good old-fashioned NBA basketball. Man, I was so pumped to see live basketball. It was awesome. As you all know, I watched a ton of reruns, and I am so glad we got live basketball back. And the arena they play in in Orlando is dope. They got like this massive Titantron on one of the sides. I can't remember which side. I think one way it's left, one way it's right. I don't know. But um, yeah, this massive Titantron and fans of the technical home team are like Zoom called into it. It is so cool. And they, of course, pump in sound, all that kind of stuff. It is wicked cool to watch. I'm just like, man, technology has come far. And I'm super glad so far there ha- we know baseball is falling apart right now with COVID testing. But it seems right now the NBA is doing it right. The no- We have heard nothing about NBA. COVID test coming back positive. Things are looking good for basketball. So let's talk a little basketball. We'll start with the debut date, the return of the of NBA action. We had a pair of games on July 30th. Kicking it off, the New Orleans Pelicans faced off against the Utah Jazz. The Jazz were victorious in that contest, 106-104. Pelicans were led in points by Brandon Ingram. He dropped 23. He also led in rebounds along with Derek Favors with 8. And an assist was Lonzo Ball at seven. Now the Jazz were led bigly by Jordan Clarkson. The former Cleveland Cavalier dropped 23 points in the winning effort for the Jazz. Assist Donovan Mitchell, old Spider-Man himself, pulled down five assists. And Rudy Gobert, I was looking ahead there, uh, and Rudy Gobert pulled down 12 rebounds. And how about Rudy Gobert? I want to talk about this a little bit because I found this hilarious. So, of course, Rudy Gobert was the first positive test, I believe, in the NBA. He, I guess, was people pointed the finger and said, oh, you did this. Like, he, I think, was the first positive test, and he got the season canceled. Well, he he couldn't really help it. I mean, it happened. I mean, when that first wave came in, it was brutal. But how about this? He makes two free throws with 6.9 seconds left to win the game, basically. How about that? Rudy Gobert was the hero at the end of the day. <laughs> I think the Jazz forgave him for that one. I think they forgave him with 
the W in terms of the COVID testing. But Rudy Gobert gets it done. The Jazz win 106-104. And then we had the Battle of LA in Orlando. The Lakers taking on the Clippers. Kawhi versus LeBron. One of the best rivalries in sports. They're not really enemies, I guess, but just when these two go match up against each other, it is awesome. Lakers pulled it out 103-101. Lakers were led in big part in points by Anthony Davis. He dropped 34, but the King himself led the Lakers in rebounds and assists with 11 boards and 7 assists. For the Clippers, Paul George dropped a Chris 30 points. Reggie Jackson, the guard, picked up six rebounds, which led the Clippers. That's not good. Um, when you when a your point guard, one of your point guards leads you in rebounds, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of an issue there. But uh, an assist, Reggie Jackson and Kawhi Leonard led the way for the Clippers with four, and LeBron James hits the game-winning basket with 12.8 seconds left to lay up, and the Lakers take down the Clippers, and the Lakers looked good. I mean, they looked scary good that game. Honestly, going, I thought the Clippers had it. I honestly think the Clippers roster is built to beat the Lakers. But now that the Clippers and the Lakers and LeBron have had rest, LeBron, they came out a little rusty, but they knocked it off at the right time. And the LA Lakers get out of there 103-101. Now let's move on to some other key games that I thought were really good. Uh, The San Antonio Spurs took on the Sacramento Kings on July 31st. The, the Spurs would pull it out 129-120. De'Aaron Fox, the Kentucky product, led all scorers with 39 points. Kent Bazemore, the Kings, also led the charge with 11 rebounds. But DeMar DeRozan led the way and assist with 10 beautiful dimes. And the Spurs cap off the win by nine. Then we move on to the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Orlando Magic. Guess technically every game the Magic should be the home team. I mean, it's not playing in the Amway Center, but come on now. They're basically the home team. Let's just say that. And they look like the home team. They take home a double-digit win, 128 to 111. Evan Fournier led all scores with 24 points. Aaron Gordon pulled down 11 boards for the Magic leading the way, and Karis Levert of the Nets led all Passers with seven assists. Now, this was a phenomenal game. I watched this one. Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks. Phenomenal game. Uh, Battle of the East's premier teams, in my opinion. Um, Jason Tatum, phenomenal score. Giannis Antetokounmpo, in my opinion, the most dominant force in the NBA right now. But... Bucks would get out of there with a 119-112 victory. Giannis would lead all scorers and rebounders. He scored 36 points and pulled down 15 rebounds. Chris Middleton of the Bucks led all assisters with eight. Great game, but in the end, the Bucks, you gotta fear the deer. When I hear fear the deer, I think of a neighborhood, though. I live out, I live out in the boonies, so every every turn seems to be two or three deer, and you're always wondering, is this deer an idiot? Is this deer going to jump out in front of me as I'm driving down the road? If it does, I swear to God, I'm going to get out and punch it straight in the schnoz. But um, moving on, also, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Portland Trail Players played in a really good game, went into overtime where the Blazers would get a 140-135 to 135 victory. C.J. McCollum led all scorers with 33 points. Yusuf Nurkic led all rebounders. With nine and Ja Morant of the Grizzlies led all passers with eleven assists. Now, 
So I'll talk about the NBA. I'm going to try and do this more because now we have it actually back. I'm going to do Star of the Week and Game of the Week. So this one's going to be a little tough, but this week they went easy on me. This week they went easy on me. Star of the Week, undoubtedly TJ Warren of the Indiana Pacers. He dropped 53 points in the Pacers' first game back in the bubble against the Philadelphia 76ers. He shot 68% from the field and 75% from three. Went 20 of 29 in total and 9 of 12 from three. A phenomenal start. If we're talking just the bubble, TJ Warren is MVP right now. How many of you want to slap me for saying that? <laughs> I don't think he's actually full-on MVP. No, do not think I'm that stupid. But if, if talking about just the bubble, TJ Warren, 53. Come on now. That's pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, star of the week, TJ Warren of the Pacers. Uh, great game. Great, great, great game. 53 points for the Pacers. Now we move on to the game of the week. And again, I said the ticket easy on and This one, in my opinion, was pretty easy. The Houston Rockets had a thriller against the Dallas Mavericks. High-scoring, offensive clinic. It was entertaining to watch. I watched the end of it. Entertaining game through and through. It seems like a 153-149 overtime victory for the Rockets. Harden and Westbrook combined for 80 points. Goodness gracious. 80. Porzingis and Luka of the Mavs dropped a total 67 combined. Whew. A lot of players came back hot. I think they were ready for this for a while, man. What a game. Four phenomenal, four of the best in the business, in my opinion. All four having amazing basketball games. But in the end, the team shot a combined 49% from the field and 41% from three, making the Rockets taking on the Mavericks in that overtime offensive thriller, the game of the week. The NBA's back, baby. Woo! Man, it feels so good. Um, I got in as much as I possibly could. Probably a little more than I probably should have. I could have been doing a lot more productive things with my life than watching basketball over and over and over again. But I couldn't help myself. I missed it so much. I just had to watch it. I was getting tired of watching the old games like from the 80s. Although I had no issue with that. I had no issues watching those games. But it's just like, and throughout that, I noticed, I watch all that on like NBA TV. They always tell you what's going to happen. Basically, like, give you little spoilers in it. I'm just like, stop it. Let me try and figure out what's going to happen. That's why I hate going to movies now. That's why I hate social media. Because every time a big movie's coming out, you, it just gets spoiled. Uh, Avengers Endgame was spoiled for me. Because I saw it on it. Because I saw it on Instagram. I was so mad. I didn't believe it until I actually saw it in theaters. I was just like. That SOB, I don't even remember who it was now. It was some. It was no one I knew, of course, but it was just like in the comic section. It was like a fan theory thing. I'm a nerd. But I just saw it in there and I was like, oh, really? You're going to spoil that for me? 
man, NBA TV, stop that. I love watching your hardwood classic stuff, but don't spoil the ending for me. I don't want to know if Magic or Michael is going to make the game-winning shot that define their legacy. I just want to see it myself. Don't remind me that I'm watching reruns because live sports wasn't back. Because then I'm just going to get more sad because I know this happened before I was even a thought. (laughs) But anyway, the NBA is back. I am hyped to see it. So, so, so good to have it back. Definitely plan on watching more and keeping you listeners of the Robson Sportscast up to date on some of that good old-fashioned NBA action. Let's move on to our next topic. So literally, as we were wrapping up the segment, uh, talking about the return of the NBA, uh, get a breaking news. Uh, Magic's power forward, Jonathan Isaac, is out indefinitely after suffering a torn ACL. And the teams just literally happened. The game just finished a few hours ago. The Kings uh, were blown out by the Orlando Magic. And Jonathan Isaac uh, suffered a non-contact injury late in the game and had to be taken out on a wheelchair. Um Nasty sight. Um, if you all remember back on New Year's Day, the Magic were playing the Washington Wizards, and uh, Jonathan Isaac suffered an injury. A, I believe it was a sprained ankle in that same leg. I believe it was the right leg, I think is what he hurt. Uh, no, left leg, left leg. Uh, I'm just reading the news as it came out right now. Um, literally, as I finished my phone buzz and said Isaac uh, towards ACL, um, MRIs revealed that shortly after the game, he will be out indefinitely. The 22-year-old forward for the Magic was averaging 12.1 points per with seven rebounds, two and a half blocks, and one and a half steals. Uh, he gathered some national attention for some of his political stances on um, the whole uh, situations going on in the world right now. Um, I try and keep that out of my sports talk uh, just because that's everywhere, and I try and be different than that, but... That definitely sucks for him. I'm a fan of Jonathan Isaac. I think he's a very talented player. Um, I think he's still developing his skills uh, out of Florida State, and I think he has a, had has the potential to be a a great player in this league, a great two way player. But ACL injuries they're very very touchy. Um, we've seen what it does to some and what it doesn't do to others. I mean, it made Zach Levine better. Uh, he's now an all around star, but then we saw what it did to Derrick Rose, and Derrick Rose has never been the same since his. Um, But definitely prayers up. Jonathan Isaac is hopeful for a speedy recovery, and definitely hope to see you, whether it be, it's probably going to be next year, or whenever we can see you back on that court, it's going to be a blessing for all those NBA fans, because you're a great player. Uh, Prayers up again, Jonathan. Hope you get better soon. Uh, Now, now, we got the breaking news out of the way. Uh, (laughs) So sudden, I'm a, I was a little caught off guard by that, but I felt the need to record that uh, because it's pretty cool that happened live. Not cool for the scenario, of course, but cool that it happened live. I get to report that. But uh, definitely uh, moving on to our next topic now. Are you ready for some more NFL record predictions presented to you by the Robson Sportscast? I know you are listening wherever, in the car, at home, mowing the lawn, or whatever. So, I've done this a few times. I have done the AFC West and AFC East, along with the NFC West. So, we're going to go with theme here. So, now we're going to do the NFC East. And you all know how I feel about the NFC East. I believe, personally, it is the most inconsistent uh, division in all of football. Uh, 
like I said, I believe it was uh, 2001 was the last time a team officially won it multiple years in a row. Uh, the Eagles won three straight at a point, uh, but that's it. I think last year they won it was 2001, and that was technically the last year. I think they won it three straight, like I mentioned. Um, they're inconsistent division, and you never know who's going to win it. Um, it's usually a really tight race. I mean, last year the Eagles finished 9-7, and seven, and the Cowboys finished 8-8. Eight and eight, And... Dallas missed the playoffs. Philadelphia got into the playoffs as the last seed. Um, maybe not the last seed. I think second to last seed because I think they had a home game in the wild card. But um, but um, yeah. So we're gonna talk about NFC East. Get ready. Grab your popcorn. Let's go ahead and get into it. Get ready for some hot takes. This one, this one has some of them. Um, so Adam Schefter. I get all these record predictions from Adam Schefter, and he has the it shaping out in the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles winning the division at 13 and 3 and making the playoffs. In second place at 12 and 4, he's got the Cowboys. They're making the playoffs as well. Third, he's got the Giants at 6 and 10. And fourth, he's got the Washington football team at 4 and 12. I want to do a little disclaimer real quick. I caught myself there, but if I accidentally call them the Redskins, please do not take offense to it. It's just nature. I'm still not used to it. Grown up you know, calling them the Redskins. So if I call that and don't take any offense to that, please. That's not its intent. It's just me not catching myself. But uh, so I go in order of how Schefter has him from first to last. So let's go ahead and start with the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to start off 4-0. and oh. They're going to go on the road at Washington and get a win. And they're going to go home for two straight against the Rams and the Bengals. They'll win both and go on the road and get a huge win over the San Francisco 49ers. Their first loss will come at Week 5 at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a tough place to play, and they have one of the best defenses in football. Um, I really like Carson Wentz, but I think he may really struggle in that game. So I got the Philadelphia Eagles taking a loss to the Steelers in that one. And then they're going to lose another one Week 6 to the Ravens. Um, again, good defense. Lamar Jackson's going to be able to keep up with Carson Wentz because I think the offense for the Eagles is going to be significantly improved because there's no way in hell the injuries that plagued the Eagles last year come up again unless they have some voodoo curse. Um, yeah, they'll take a loss to Baltimore. Then they're going to win the final two games before the bye week. They'll take down the Giants and the Cowboys before their week nine bye. Then to, coming out of the bye, they head to New York, take on the Giants. They get a win there. Then they go to Cleveland week 11. They get a win there. Then week 12, they'll take a huge win at home against Seattle. Now, week 13, they head to Lambeau Field. Take on the pack. My gut was kind of telling me the Eagles, but then I remembered. Aaron Rodgers, as Stephen A. Smith so greatly puts it, is a bad man. And I think Aaron Rodgers finds a way to get that one done. The Packers take that win. Then they go back home to face the Saints, and I think they lose that one too. Common theme there. They lose one, they lose two. But then they're going to finish off the season on a three-game win streak, two road games at Arizona, at Dallas. They get a win. Then they finish off the season against Washington with a win. They finish 12-4. and four. I love the Eagles. I love Mason Carson Wentz. I think he is the most overhated, not overrated, overhated quarterback in the NFL. And I th- 
I'm going to touch on that later on an episode. Um, I'll touch on it a little bit here, but I think the people out there that do not believe in Carson Wentz, you think about Nick Foles way too much. Get Nick Foles out of your head and see greatness because that's, in my opinion, what Carson Wentz is. So, Adam's second place team is the Dallas Cowboys. I have strong feelings about the Cowboys, too, but we'll get into that in a second. Week one, they go on the road at LA, take on the Rams. That's just going to be a tough game. That's the first game in the brand new stadium, another gorgeous new stadium. Vegas has got one, and the Rams and Chargers get one. It's a really pretty one, too. Uh, So I think Dallas will take a loss on that one. I think Dallas is honestly a little bit of the better football team. They're more built all around, but it's just that first game, that that stadium's going to be insane. So I'll take the Rams in that one. Week two, they take on the Falcons, and they get a win there. I will not believe in the Falcons until they have a legitimate defense that stays healthy, which they have not done, and I don't think ever. (laughs) They had not been... The Super Bowl cursed them. I just now kind of put that in my head together. Since that Super Bowl, everyone on that defense has gotten hurt. Because they choked. (laughs) That's reading into it too much, I'm sorry. But at week three, they go to Seattle. I don't think that's going to be even a contest. I think Seattle is just... Blows them out of the water. Week four, they played Cleveland. This one took me about 30 minutes to decide who would win this one, but... In the end, I got Cleveland winning, and I was kind of thinking, oh, it's Cleveland, they're going to choke in that one, of course, because it's Cleveland, but Cleveland, in my opinion, is the better football team, roster-wise, so I got Cleveland winning that one. Week 5, they start a three-game winning streak, they take down the Giants in Arizona at Dallas, and then they take out Washington, caught myself again, at Washington, three straight wins, but then they run into a buzzsaw, a pace they face both teams from Pennsylvania. At Philadelphia, they take a loss, and at home against Pittsburgh, they take a loss. Heading into the Week 10 by on two-game losing streak. They're going to come out of a hot, though. This is another one that took me 30 minutes. At Minnesota, I think they win that one. Again, another 30-minute one. Uh, I like both teams. I think even with no more Stephon Diggs, I think the Minnesota Vikings are a top-10 roster They just have great players all around. And Dallas, as much as I don't like them, they find a way to win those kind of games. So I take Dallas on that one. Then week 12, they take on Washington. They get a win there. Then they go on the road at Baltimore. Again, not a contest. Ravens take that one easy. Then they're on the road at Cincinnati. (laughs) I'm going to mention, I originally had that as a loss for Dallas. But then I thought, what am I thinking? <laughs> I understand it's at Cincinnati. It's going to be cold as all heck. But Cincinnati's not a good football team. I don't care what you say about Joe Burrow. They're not a good football team. So I got Dallas one of that one. Then they're going to go on a massive two-game skid, losing to the 49ers in Philadelphia at home. And then they're going to go on the road to face the Giants and win. It's going to be too little too late as the Dallas Cowboys once again finish the infamous 8-8. I know that's going to drive a a lot of people bonkers. How do you have Dallas at 8-8? Especially you Cowboys fans. We Tim boys. We're going to win the Super Bowl. You know my opinion on Dak Prescott. He thinks he's way better than he actually is. No more Travis Frederick, your center. And you're trying to replace Robert Quinn... And I'm forgetting the corner. Oh, God. 
Uh, my mind just went completely blank. The corner they lost to Miami. You all know Byron Jones. There we go. Byron Jones. Wow, my mind went completely blank there. But uh, Byron Jones, you're trying to replace them, and you really didn't do that great of a job at it. Now you got C.D. Lamb, who I love. I think the offense is going to be the issue. I just don't think you're going to be able to keep up on defense because they're going to give up a lot of points. So Dallas, 8-8. Eight and eight. Now let's move on to the New York football Giants. Week 1, Pittsburgh, L. And they go on the road at Chicago and they get a win. That's going to mark the beginning of the end for Trubitsky if it hasn't been marked already. But uh, after that, three-game losing streak at home against 49ers, L. And on the road at the Rams and the Cowboys, a pair of losses. Week 6, they get a win over Washington. And then they're going to lose again two straight at Philadelphia and at home against Tampa Bay. Week 9, at Washington, they get another win. Then they're going to game before the bye week. They have a week 11 bye, week 10. At home against Philadelphia, they take a loss. Week 11 bye week. Coming out of that bye week, they're going to lose three straight. At Cincinnati, they lose. At Seattle, they lose. And at home against Arizona, they lose. Argue with me about Cincinnati all day. Cincinnati's a better football team. Honestly, at this moment right now, call me crazy. I know it kind of just dogged him a little bit. I don't care. I said I don't care about Joe Burrow talking about Dallas beating him. Dallas is a better football team than New York by a mile. And Joe Burrow, in my opinion, at the moment, you think this is a hot take? Just wait. I think Joe Burrow, I take Joe Burrow over Dan- Daniel Jones right now. And I've seen Daniel Jones play a full season, and I liked what I saw out of Daniel Jones. But I'll take Joe Burrow. <laughs> Week 15 against Cleveland. <laughs> the infamous Cleveland choke job is going to happen right here. Cleveland's going to take a huge loss there. New York's going to find a way to win that football game. Because it's Cleveland. Then the final two games of the season at Baltimore and at home against Dallas to take a loss, finishing 4-12. and 12. So... I honestly think the Giants are the worst football team in New York. I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback on that, saying I'm a little biased to the Jets. I'm not. I think the Jets have a better roster, even with losing Jamal Adams. I think just all around the Jets have a better roster. Now, offensively, not really. Um, Wide receivers, I'll take the Giants over the Jets all day. But a healthy Chris Herndon... I like more than Evan Ingram, who is fast, but doesn't really have much else. I think the Jets' offensive line is going to be better than the Giants, and I'll take Sam Darnold over Daniel Jones at the moment. Now, the Washington football team. I'm just going to say one thing about my prediction for them. 0-16. Here's their schedule. I'm not even going to say where it's at, because I don't think that matters, really. Philadelphia. It is in order, though. Philadelphia, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, Rams, Giants, Cowboys, week eight by week. Giants again. Detroit, Cincinnati, Dallas, Pittsburgh, 49ers, Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles. Every team that I just named is a better football team. They have better rosters. 
And that's with me liking Dwayne Haskins. That's with me loving Ron Rivera. And that's with me loving Chase Young. This team is awful. They're a mess on and off the football field. And Dan Snyder is the James Dolan of the NFL. The minute he's gone, I think Washington will begin to improve. Same thing with Dolan. The minute he's gone, I think the Knicks finally start to improve. But yeah. Washington. 0-16. They'll join the Browns and the Lions as the only teams to ever do it. None of those games, I think, are the better football team. Now, they could surprise me. They could get lucky a couple times. But 0-16. I cannot wait to see the reactions to that. Let's go ahead and move on to our next and final topic. So last week I had the absolute pressure of having Rebecca, college football blogger. We should go follow her on Instagram at GridironRush19. She came on the show and we talked a lot of SEC football. Because I realized I hadn't talked a lot of college football on the show. But I'm going to try and make it a little more of a regular thing. Because that's my pride and joy. I love me some college football. So, we're going to transition here. SEC to ACC. And there's not terribly as much to talk about with the ACC. Before they decided to do an all-conference schedule. Now with the COVID-19 stuff going on. With it comes a lot of change. There's one big one, but we'll get to that in a second. But I want to talk about a few teams. Uh, we're first talking about Clemson. Um, obvious, um, they're the favorite to win the ACC again. Um, Trevor Lawrence is, is in his junior year. Dabo Sweeney's still there. Travis Etienne surprisingly came back for his senior year. I, I thought he was an easy top, top-tier first-round pick. Um, but... Clemson is truly the only elite threat. When I see Clemson, I just see the national championship. I honestly have them winning it next year. Um, it's They're just phenomenal, and I can never doubt them. I've doubted them plenty of times. I doubted them when they went up against Alabama a couple years ago. Look what happened. It was like 49-17. to 17. I mean, they destroyed Alabama, which hasn't happened in my entire lifetime, seeing Alabama get beaten that bad. Now, I know a lot of people are saying teams like Ohio State, Alabama, but I really don't know how legitimate last year's loss to LSU was because LSU, in my opinion, is a one and done. Congratulations, you had your moment. We won't see you in the playoffs again for a while because your offensive coordinator and your quarterback are gone along with your number one receiver. As 
fun while it lasted at LSU, but it's Clemson's throne. I mean, until I see otherwise, Clemson's my easy favorite for the national championship. Um, team on the rise that I really like is North Carolina. Matt Brown is doing a phenomenal job down there. He is bringing in elite recruits. That's what he's big and known for. Bringing in these big names. I mean, and North Carolina. Sam Howell. Sam or Seth. I can't remember for some reason. I'm having a tough time with names today. Um, but Sam Howell. He is for a he was a freshman last year. And he was incredible. He is a Heisman sleeper talent. I mean, he looked great. And I think, truthfully, North Carolina, they could easily be runner-up. They're a phenomenal... They're, they're built well. They almost beat Clemson last year. Until they got way too aggressive and tried to go for two when they could have just kicked the PAT and went into overtime. But they tried for the win. It's ballsy, but it didn't work. Now, a team that I just want to let you know about that's not going to do it again is UVA. We all know UVA was kind of the underdog story last year. They finally beat Virginia Tech and took home the Commonwealth Cup. They made it to a New Year's Six Bowl. Don't expect that again, because half that team's gone now. I think probably more than half of that team. Um, Their head coach, I can't remember his last name, but I know one one, one part of his name is Bronco, which is amazing. It's the best name ever, but... Bronco, as much as I like him, I think he's been through a lot with that UVA team. He doesn't have the, the tools this year. He doesn't have Bryce Perkins. He doesn't have half that defense. I mean, and let's be honest. Even though the score was close in that orange ball, Florida was going to steamroll them if it wasn't for some stupid mistakes. Kyle Trask didn't play his best game. But we saw how LaMichael Piran just ran over that team. Florida was the better team by a mile, and everybody knew that. I think Florida kind of got, should have had a better competition, but they did with what they did with it. Game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. UVA put up a good fight, but don't expect that again this year. Now, with the SEC, I mentioned a coach on the hot seat. That was Will Muschamp of South Carolina, and there is a definite coach on the hot seat for me. That's Virginia Tech's Justin Fuente. Being from Blacksburg, I live in Blacksburg, Virginia, just really like not even a mile away from Blaine Stadium. I have heard a lot of mixed opinions about Justin Fuente. I have heard some people say, oh, he needs to get out of here. He's not the guy for us. It should have been Bud Foster's job years ago. If I said his name wrong, I am so sorry. Virginia Tech people, don't come after me. I know most of you. (laughs) But uh, he should be out of here. He's not the guy for us. And then I've heard some people say, oh, no, he, he can stay around. He's a good coach. He's good. He's good. He's good. Give him another year or two. He's okay. I'm here to tell you all right now, Hokie Nation, he's on a very short leash. It has been the theme with Virginia Tech since he's gotten there. To start terribly and finish strong. I think they went well, like eight and five last year. Until they took out Ryan Willis, that team was garbage. When they put in Malik Hooker, finally, that team took off. 
I understand Justin Fuente wants to go with the seniority card. Be like, oh, this guy's more experienced. Let's put him in. Sometimes the best thing to do in college football is to put in the best player. The better player. I mean, look at what Dabo Sweeney did with Trevor Lawrence when they still had Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant was like, okay, quarterback. He's an okay quarterback. Not great. But he was good enough. And he was a senior. Trevor Lawrence was a freshman. Albeit the top-ranked recruit of the class. And I believe he's like top 10 ranked ever recruits by 24-7 sports. But that couldn't have been easy. Telling the senior, we're going to go with this freshman because he's better. But as a coach, it's a decision you have to make. And I just don't... I just didn't see Justin Fuente having the guts to do that. He was like, I understand this guy may better, but we're going to go with seniority because he knows a little more. Sometimes on-the-job training is what you got to do. And when they put in Malik Hooker, that team was awesome. Well, not maybe not awesome, but they were much better on offense than they were. Hell, they almost beat Notre Dame. In South Bend! Who we'll talk about later. And that was with a backup, Quincy Patterson, who I really liked, but I don't think he's going to be what I thought it was going to be. And if it wasn't for a bone, some boneheaded decisions by Fuente, they probably would have won that game. And that's just how it goes in college football. Better team, you can be the worst team by a mile and still pull off the upset. But Justin Fuente is on a very, very short leash. And they will not be afraid to kick him to the curb if this continues for Virginia Tech. Now, I think they're going to give him a little bit. With, Co- with Cody Farley opting out of the season, I think they're going to cut him a little slack. But if he does not step it up, we could easily easily see him be fired mid-year. And that's just what I believe about him. There's another guy, another team I want to talk about. Another team I want to talk about. Miami. I understand they got Derek King. He's a good football player. Was very dynamic. Let's stop with this Miami crap. They did it last year. It's all anybody talked about. Oh, Miami football could come back. Miami football's all on the rise. Then they go out and get shut out by Louisiana Tech in a bowl game. Oh yeah, Miami's back all right. kind of sad when you think about it. It's kind of sad how far Miami's fallen off. And I'm kind of enjoying talking about this because I'm a Florida fan. Even though we easily could have lost to them last year. But that's beside the point. (laughs) 
But when it comes down to it, Miami ain't back. They're still here. They never left mediocrity. And the saddest that's to say, you can deny it all you want. It's true. They ain't the same. And I don't know if they ever will be again. Speaking of Florida teams, though, let's talk about Florida State a little bit. They're kind of a wild card for me. I really don't know what to think of Florida State. They finally got Willie Taggart out of there. That was an awful decision, clearly. Bring in the guy, I think it was the SMU coach or the Memphis coach. I think it was Memphis, now I'm thinking about it. I can't remember his name, though. But, uh, bring him in, and a lot of people are hyped about that. I don't know enough about him. I don't even remember his name. That's how little I pay attention to that conference. I just pay attention to the delusional UCF fans. Oh, we're national champions. So if I ever see a UCF fan actually say that to my face, I'm going to slap him. It's just like, shut up. But we'll, we'll talk about that another time. But, uh. Florida State's a wild card. Don't know enough. Um, all I know is they're lucky they're not playing Florida this year because they get embarrassed again. <laughs> and that's the Gator fan talking. <laughs> but, uh, of course, the biggest news out of the all-conference schedule for ACC football. Touchdown Jesus now resides in the ACC. And I'm talking about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now, I know a lot of people kind of diss Notre Dame, and it's justified. They're always seemingly in position for a playoff spot every time the season starts. Then they go out and their big opponents, they take losses to. Last year, against Georgia, multiple times Notre Dame had that game in the palm of their hand and they choked it away. That same year, they go to Michigan, who is where they have been nothing but a choke job since Jim Harbaugh got there. And they get blown out. So again, I'm kind of undecided with Notre Dame. They got Ian Book back, who I like. I think he's a good all-around talent. He's got some mobility, good arm. But they could play a role in how the ACC turns out. Because they play Clemson. I believe in South Bend. And Fighting Irish fans are some of the most prideful fans I've ever met in my life. Sometimes a little too prideful because they're a little ignorant at times. But still, pride. And I got respect for that. Can you imagine what that would be like without COVID? Could you imagine what that stadium would be like? That would be sold out. Insanity. I'm pretty sure that would cause an earthquake. (laughs) 
I am not kidding. That would be insane. But sadly, of course, due to COVID, this is the whole reason we're getting this. We're getting Notre Dame in the ACC, which still doesn't make sense to me. Indiana, I mean, come on now. Uh, <laughs> but Notre Dame, ACC, I think they can be players. But I'm not going to count on them. Because too many times we've seen it. Notre Dame's in a playoff position. And they get dominated. The last time they made the playoffs, they faced Clemson and got blown out. I'll believe it when I see it. But Notre Dame, they can make some noise. Let's go ahead and log out. want to apologize before I log out. I accidentally said Cody Farley when it was actually Caleb Farley, the cornerback for Virginia Tech that I mentioned that opted out of the 2020 season. Um, so apologies to any Hokie fans I offended by saying that incorrectly. Um, <laughs> but this was a great episode. Uh, episode 9, wrapping up here. Talked a lot of NBA. It is back. The bubble in Orlando has started. Jonathan Isaac, of course, just released a few minutes ago, few probably about an hour ago now, but um, released. He has suffered an ACL tear out indefinitely. Um, but NBA's back. Great to have some live sports back. Seems to be doing it right. No positive COVID tests so far. We also dropped some hot takes on my NFC East predictions. Eagles winning the division at 12-4, and and I got the Washington football team at 0-16. I cannot wait for the reactions to that. And to cap off this episode, we talked a great amount of ACC football. Notre Dame joins the ranks of the Atlantic Coastal Conference, even though they're in Indiana. A little weird, but so it goes. Let's go ahead and log out. Got my man RC Productions hitting us out. This is Alex Robson, the host of the Robson Sportscast, signing off.